when you know, cause you know, cause you know that it's God who has healed you, who has delivered you, who has set you free. There's nothing that's going to contain your gratitude. There's nothing that's going to stop you from worshiping. You have to embody those words. I've come into this room to honor him with my worship, with my praise. That's all I have to give him. I, I can't dig in my pockets. I can't do anything else but praise him. There's a sense of gratitude, a sense of worship. I know because I know because I know that it was God who set me free. It's God who's healed me. It's God who's every day dealing with me. Nobody else. So my praise, my glory, my honor go to him. And so tell your neighbor, you need to praise God. <laughs> you may be seated. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you guys so much. It's always a blessing uh, to be able to gather in this room with family and friends. I'm Pastor Gus Rodriguez. I'm one of the pastors here at the Next Step Community Church. It's always an honor and a privilege for me to stand up here and bring forth the word because I know what a wretched man I am. <laughs> like I know how bad I am. Um, I had a conversation with somebody the other day who said, uh, am I a bad person? And uh, I kind of let them know, yeah, you're bad. <laughs> I think they expected something else because they have made some improvement in their life. I said, no, you're bad. We're all bad. The Bible says we're sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if we were good, we wouldn't need a savior. So we're bad and we have a savior. And that's great because it allows me to lean into him and trust in him in all my affairs. Amen? There are things that rob us of walking in the very freedom that Jesus Christ has secured at the cross for us. There are things that plague not only us in this room, but society as a whole. There are emotions that may be real, but are not facts. And they overwhelm us at times. Things like worry, things like anxiety, things like fear, something that it's constantly moving about not only in the church at times knowing what we know to be true but in the world being worried about how we're gonna take care of this or how worried about the kids or the relationships right and then worry doesn't travel along because now anxiety creeps in and, and, and gets you to start thinking about something that hasn't even happened now some of us are very delusional and have great imaginations and I know <laughs> that when I get anxious, that there are things that I can caught in my mind that are not real. And then fear comes in. All these emotions, although real to you, they rob you of the very freedom that Christ has secured for us at the cross. It's important for us to really pay attention today because I think that some of us in this room are going through those emotions. and We don't know what to do with them. We come every single day to church, we're reading our Bibles, and we're praying to God, and we're asking for help, and somehow, worry still creeps in. Anxious moments still come in. Fear still circles us and wants to keep us from doing those things we need to do. Here's what I know to be true. 
Those emotions, what they actually are saying to you is that God doesn't care about your needs. Come on now. Is that true? One person in the room believes this. That's where we're at. That your worry and your fears and your anxieties negate the word of God in your life. To the point where that's where you camp out. Well, I believe that Jesus reminds us that he cares about our needs. That, 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 that's the word that I bring forth for myself. It's, the Bible tells me not to be anxious for anything. Right? Not to be anxious for anything, but to cast my cares through prayer and supplication. Cast my cares on the one who cares for me. If I believe that my life is in his hands and that he's made a way and that he set a path for me and that he hedges angels around me to protect me, that he's already made a way for me, why do I worry? Because I do. I mean, last night my daughter called me. She was out, you know, and I said, honey, you know, what time are you getting home? She said, I should be home by 10. Uh, unbeknownst to me, she's driving from Miami. It's two hours, and I'm like, okay, you need to call me when you get there. I punch in my phone, track the GPS, make sure that she knows. <laughs> That's the kind of father I am, sorry. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for that. She's on the road, she's driving, but I'm, yeah, I worry. Because it's not about her, it's about everything else, right? So as a parent, so I'm there and I'm worrying, I'm getting anxious, I'm cutting all these scenarios. And then she texts me and she says, "Hun, Dad, I'm home, but I already knew she was home because the GPS and the camera tells me that she's home. So I was just waiting for her to call me and tell me. The but, but I want you to know that the devil's a liar. And worry creeps in, anxiety comes in, fear kicks in, and I'm like, oh man, okay, uh, okay, all right, Lord, what am I gonna do here? What am I gonna do? I start quoting scripture, but I'm looking at the time. Lord, I'm looking, at, you know, like I'm doing these things. And listen, we're just being real. You heard Pastor Zach say that we're just messed up up in here. And we're just trying to do this every single day. We don't got it popping, right? But the young people, I just forgot to throw that out there, all right? And we don't got it going on. Every single day, we're just trying to get there. We're trying to do the right thing. Like Paul says, I'm striving to attain that which I have not yet attained. So, so it's important for us to understand that we're in this together. We're family here. We're friends. I can share my life with you because I trust that you understand. And there's a me too inside of you somewhere. So I want us to stand to our feet because I want to read this text. I want It's a very short text. So I promise not to keep you on your feet too long. Although some of you need some circulation. You need to reach into your pocket and silence your phones. Okay, because I, I, you know, it's just not a place for it. I heard four different bells go off during the two-minute thing, right? So if we can silence our phones, I'll appreciate it. But let's read this together. We're going to read Matthew's chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And we're going to read it all together, okay? The count of three. One, two, three. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Bring up the next scripture in Isaiah, please. Let's read this together, too. But those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I want to provide us with some quick definitions about worry, anxiety, and fear so that as we're taking notes and we're aware of these things as we go through the text, and I'm going to hopefully walk you through what it looks like to find rest in the midst of worry, anxiety, and fear. Amen? So worry, the first thing, bring up the definition for worry. Worry is a state of anxiety and uncertainty. I'm, I'm, I'm a word guy, so there are words that I highlight. This whole thing about uncertainty always for us brings some kind of fear and anxiety because we're the type of people that we want to know everything. That's not for us to know. Faith is about trusting in God. Amen? So it says uncertainty over actual or potential problems that allows one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. When we worry, what we do is we focus on the problem, not the problem fixer. Everybody see that? So, so we focus on the problem. There's this very narrow view that we have and we focus on the problem. So that creates worry in our lives. What's the next one? Anxiety. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Again, we're people that want to know things, right? Like, like I don't know about you, but I, I liked, I'm pretty linear, so I like to know the beginning to the end, right? Sometimes I read the end of a book so that I know more or less where it's leading me to. If it's not interesting, I don't read it, right? We're like that. We're built that way. I want to know. But unfortunately, guys, faith is trusting in God, right? The one who knows our past, our present, and our future, the one who has created the heavens and the earth, the one who knows you, better than you know yourself. Like he is not man that he would lie to you. And oftentimes self-deception is the one thing that keeps us from progressing, right? Creating these elaborate lies, right, that are not true. We talked about being posers here. We talked about the appearance of something that you're not. Anxiety leads us in this place. And then fear. Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. It may be real or imagined. Real or imagined. Now we know that fear is not from God. The word reminds me of that. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. Like God immediately dispels the thought that fear comes from him. It comes from the one that wants to detain you, discourage you, accuse you, keep you from walking in your sweet spot. That, that place where you really feel good about things. Because your trust is outside of you, it's not in you, it's not my capability, it's not what I'm capable of doing, it's what he's already done and what he's doing continuously. He saved me when he justified me, he saves me every single day. And then he'll save me eventually when I'm in heaven glorified and I don't ever have to worry about sin again. Ever again. Today, I have to battle. It's a fight every single day. I, I minister to men a great deal, and I say, what's the biggest fight you have in front of me? He says, reading God's word. Why is it that the enemy wants to keep you from reading his word? 
Because the freedom and the power that we need and the authority that we need is found in his word. Of course he wants to keep you from it. Listen, the last thing you want to do is put your Bible on the night table and sit down after a long day and think that you're going to read. <laughs> like really? That's like drinking warm milk. You're going to sleep. <laughs> right? There's no reading going on there. So it's important for us to understand this thing may be real or imagined. Now listen, I am not one to, to um, speak against anybody's fear, anxiety, or worry. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm simply trying to walk us through what it is, what it looks like, and why it is that it's keeping you in a place in which you still feel imprisoned when Christ already brought you the freedom that you need. So, so it's important for us to understand, really imagine. I just had a situation where I took my godchild and we went to this water park and she was petrified. So water park, I'm here for you. I want to have fun. We're going up the steps. And every step we go up, she says, how high we got to go? I said, it's a water park. Now, now, mind you, I began to get annoyed with her because you're a kid who doesn't like roller coasters, who doesn't like water rides. Like, you know, I just wanted to, you know, have fun. Let's, let's go do it. And she was like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Every step, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, you're going to do it. <laughs> right? Because listen, that's what we do. We, we disconnect from a person's reality. We don't take it into consideration. She had a real fear. So after a while, I said, okay, just go back down. Just go down. The ride was over in three seconds. Was it real? Was it imagined? Over in three seconds. Whoosh, 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 boom. That's it. Some fears can be imagined. And I know sometimes when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to um, ailments that we might be going through and feeling, they could be real. But they also could be imagined. And I'm hoping today that we could sort through what's real and imagined, but we also find our place in what the Word says. Now this particular text in Matthew 11, 28 to 30 is an invitation. It's an invitation by Christ. And I want us to look at the text. Can you put up the text, please? Thank you. Because it says this, come to me. This is Jesus now speaking. He's saying, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That word heavy laden just indicates tired and troubled, right? So if I was just to say that I'm tired and troubled, he's saying to me, come to me, all you who labored. I don't know about you, but there are times where I'm tired. There are things that I've taken on that I should not have taken on. Right? There are moments where I've said yes to something um, um, just to appease the person, right? Because they're persistent enough. Or, or maybe it just falls on me because there's nobody else to do it, right? And I'm that type of person where, you know, I'll step in and do it, and that's not healthy for any of us, right? So, so, so I'll say yes to something, and I become to get tired. Anybody, like, in this room right now just feeling tired, like, like worn out, like weary, well, if you're in ministry, believe me, it's true. If you're in ministry and in your own life, maybe you're tired of trying to, to carry this relationship because someone that you're with is a 50-50 person. 
You know what I mean by 50-50, right? I'm in this 50%. You bring the other 50% and makes 100. Where the heck does that come from? What book does that? What, what marriage book, what relationship book does that come from? Because you need to burn it. You're either in 100% and burning the books, there's no plan B or you're in trouble. So I don't know about you, but there are moments I get tired. There are moments I get weary. There are moments I get troubled. There are moments that I get overwhelmed by things. And in doing so, what he does here is so powerful. And it says, I and I will give you, listen to that, I will give you rest. Who is the I there? Yeah, it's Jesus Christ, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you say, God, I'm good, it's Jesus. It's Jesus is saying to us, listen, I know, I see, I see what you've taken on. I, I can see the burden, I can see how you're walking. Before you were walking like this, now you're walking like this because you're overwhelmed, you're tired because of things that are happening. You're growing weary. And let me tell you what happens when you grow weary and you get tired and you get troubled, you get frustrated. And then there are things that come out of you. And let me tell you guys, words have power. And it's also, the Bible clearly states that what comes out of here is already developed in your heart. And that's why it's important for me and my relationships, I've learned to keep short accounts. I'm gonna tell you how I feel at the moment. I have to because if not, again, my mind concocts all kinds of scenarios. And love thinks the best. So I gotta believe that love thinks the best. I gotta believe that there's been some error or some mistake either on your part or my part that has created this moment and we need to dispel it immediately because guys, let me tell you something, when we carry things for a long time, it builds resentments, it builds bitterness. Words come out that injure, you can't take them back. No amount of sorry, no amount of flowers, I don't care what you do, build the Taj Mahal, it's not going to help. Because after a while, your sorries are diminished, they're watered down. You know why? Because you exceeded the amount of sorries that we can have in this relationship. And it's so important for us to embrace this reality. He says, I will give you rest. Who's going to give you rest? Jesus. Nobody else. Listen, I don't know where you're going to, but the only one that can give you rest is Jesus. Again, he goes on and says, take my yoke upon you. Now, this is a big deal because it indicates that there's another yoke that's heavy. And I just said, there are things that I take on that I shouldn't take on. There are things that I'm trying to do that I shouldn't do. I can't fix my kids. I can't fix my spouse. I can't increase my finances. I got to manage what I have. I got to be mindful of the relationships I have. So I can't fix people. I can't lead people anywhere. If it was up to me, we'd all be serving in this ministry. We'd all be volunteering. We'd all be storming the gates of hell. Like that, it was up to me. That's what it would be. But it's not up to me, except to the one that's promised to give us rest. So he says there's a different yoke that you have to understand. That's why it says, take my yoke. You see, see, there are things that he's already done for us. He's already taken the weight and the burden of our sin. And guys, even sin makes you weary. Even sin makes you tired. When you look at the commentaries, it talks about sin, not so much about life itself. But isn't it? it sin is tiring. <laughs> Sin is tiring. The lies you are constantly trying to live, it's tiring. The impression you're trying to give that you're somebody that you're not, it's tiring. 
it's tiring trying to squeeze, you know, uh, uh, another penny out of a dollar, right? Like, like these things are tiring, they become tiring. And, 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 and sin is tiring, it, it is emotionally draining because no matter what you do afterwards, you still feel less than. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you know right from wrong, affects you. And it weighs you down. I know that my, uh, my brothers in Christ who I minister and minister to me, when I don't see them around, is because they're wrestling with sin. I say that they're off the grid because they stop calling, right? So, so I always say there are a couple of things that happen. One is you're chasing money or you're chasing a relationship. And, and I can't give you either one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to hug you at night. No, I'm not doing that kind of stuff, right? And I'm not going to give you money because, you know, I'd rather ask that you, you know, give me a dollar than say let me borrow a dollar because if I borrow a dollar, I expect you to give it back and then it's going to avoid, you're going to avoid me for that dollar. There's no reason to do that. But sin does that to you, makes you disappear, makes you move away, makes you stop trying because you're overwhelmed by it. And Jesus already has taken care of your sin and my sin. Past, present, and future, one time on that cross, the wrath of God that was meant for us came upon him. That he was able to say, it is finished. And if it is finished, why do you and I continue to strive to take on things and take on assignments that are not for us? All you have to do is bring your sin to him. If you're in this room today and you're still struggling with it, you're still wrestling with this, listen to me. The, the issue is not whether you're a sinner because we all know that. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But what we want to be, and I say this often, I want to be a sinner who sins less. I don't want to intentionally wake up in the morning thinking, how am I going to do this rather than how am I going to honor God and worship God? That's a beautiful song for us to sing because here's what I believe. I believe that your life is God's gift to you. And what you do with it is your gift back to God. And it's so important for us to embrace that reality as we worship God because what's our purpose? Stop seeking purpose. Stop, oh God, send me here, send me there. No, listen, right here at the Next Step Community Church, there is a mission field in which you can serve. There are people every single day that come to these doors in need of something. And here's what I know. Even if you have a little bit, it's more than what they have. Because a lot of times we feel, you know, like, you know, inadequate, right? Like, I can't do this. Yes, you can. That there is a power given to you. There is an authority given to you. There is a gift, a talent, an ability given to you. And the love that's been poured out on you, this whole idea of take on my yoke, take my yoke upon you and watch this. Learn from me. Learn from me. When I look at that learn from me, I look at Jesus' life and I see how he approached people, how he went towards people, and he began to deal with people in a particular way. And I know some of us, you know, when we read something like he turned over, you know, the, the, the table, you know, people all try to use that to justify anger and stuff like that. No, what he was doing is reminding people that this is a house of prayer. And you've made it a den of thieves. So he wanted to be clear when he was doing that. But every single step, as I watched Jesus moving throughout his life, it says, I am gentle and lonely at heart. And you will find, here comes that word again, rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I look at this and I realize, oh man, th there is a rest that I have. Th there is an opportunity I have to be able to realize that what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to fix, what I'm trying to, to, to make right is not up to me. It isn't up to me. It's up to the one who's already accomplished that for me. You know, we talk about this word capacity. Everybody realizes that capacity indicates what you can carry, what you should be carrying, right? Some people have been blessed tremendously and, you know, their capacity is through the roof and then some people are just one, you know, just one thing they can do and that's okay. That's okay, so it's not on me to tell, you know, my, my godchild, you know, why are you so afraid? It's just a ride. It's for me to step back and understand that's where she's at. How can I help her understand that it's either real or imagined? But I got to tell you something. When I was there, it was real for her. It was tears and shakes. And, and you know, so it was for me to kind of, you know, come on, buckle up. Let's try to do this. No, I had to understand where she was at. And you have to understand something. Worry, anxiety, and fear imply that our Lord doesn't care about your needs. And that's a lie, straight out. I mean, the minute I said that, everybody was like, oh man, that's not true. He does care about me. He does love me. He does protect me. He does heal me. He does provide. Like he is present every single day in my life. How am I inviting them into those moments when I feel that I'm worried? And the word of God clearly states, and I'll read some scripture, it won't be on the screen, but it says this. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, if we were doing a Bible study, I would circle hearts and minds. Why? Because that's where worry, anxiety, and fear come to live. That's where it comes to live. If I can get into your head, I got you. Worry, anxiety, and fear, they mess with your head, man. That's what they're doing. They're just messing with your head. And, and you're falling for it. Why? Because you don't understand what this word means. And if you're writing something down, there's a scripture that you need to have. So when you feel anxious, you can quote this scripture. That's what you have to do. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow... For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Why are you worrying about tomorrow? Tomorrow's not even here. And tomorrow's not guaranteed to anybody. So it's an assumption that we make that, oh man, tomorrow I gotta do this, I gotta do it. How many of us are planners in the room? And we have our all week planned out. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm like that. <laughs> I, I, I like my whole week planned out, right? You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there has to be flexibility in your, you know, day to be able to do something else, right? And there's nothing wrong with planning because we get things done and, and we're people that want to get things done. Especially, you know, uh, uh, in my life, I just got to get things done. There are things I'm responsible for and I got to take care of, right? So I say this only to say that as we're moving through this text, I have to let you know two things. One is that 
the emotions that we go through are real, but they're not facts. They're not facts. You're feeling them. I'm not negating that. I feel them, but they're not facts. And we have to be mindful that the truth of God's word is the fact. And he's saying to be anxious for nothing. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, it's important for us to understand this. Now, I want to read the text from the message. Eugene Peterson does an amazing thing, God rest his soul. But he does an amazing thing when he takes scripture and he writes it in, in, in language for us to, to embrace it even more, right? He says this. It's the same scripture that I read, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And he says this. Are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life i'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me watch how i do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Uh, the key to finding rest is in Jesus Christ. Uh, the invitation he makes is to all of us when you worry and are anxious and are fearful, where do we find our rest? Where do we find the blessed assurance that we have? We find it in Christ. Run to Jesus. A lot of times there are things that we attempt to, to take on in our lives and it's not meant for us to take it on. It's not meant for us to do it. Why? Because it's not ours. It belongs to God. That relationship that you still struggle belongs to God. Your finances belong to God. Your health belongs to God. Everything in your life belongs to God. How often are you inviting God into this moment and saying, God, this is not for me. This is yours. I have a weight up here that I'm going to attempt to lift. Now, <laughs> You have to understand something. Somebody says it's heavy, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's 220, I think it is. Uh, yeah? All right. Experts in the room, all right? So, so, so what I'm going to do is, this is how it is, right? There is God weight and there is my weight, right? Now, a lot of you are sitting there expecting me to lift this up. In fact, some of you want me to lift it up. But I'm not. Because that's God's weight. That's not my weight. You see, my relationships, my finances, my children, my health, that's God's weight. I'm not lifting that. That's not for me. But shame on y'all. Shame on every single one of y'all. Because y'all wanted me to live God's way. But there are people like that in our lives, aren't they? There are people in our lives that put God's weight on us. And sometimes we're foolish enough to take it on. And it causes worry and anxiety and fear. And it diminishes our ability to walk in the freedom that Christ has secured already at the cross. That's not my weight. That's God's weight. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're feeling, whatever situation you're still holding on to, thinking that you can fix it, thinking that you can make the adjustment, thinking that if you do this, it's going to do... No, listen, that's God's weight. Look at your neighbor and say, stop lifting God's weight. Yeah, that's what it is. It's God's weight 
we have to trust that he'll continue to do what he said he will do. You know, the Red Sea, that was God's way. The healing of the blind and the lame walking and the dead being resurrected, that's God's way. You see it throughout the Bible. It wasn't dependent on man, it was dependent on him doing it for us. And he's already done it. Guess what's the greatest God way? It is the lifting and the forgiving of sin. That's what he does. He frees us from it. All we have to do is just believe in him and draw near to him with a sincere heart, a repentant heart. Someone who's realized that I am a sinner in need of a savior and I can't do it without you and I'm not even going to try to do it without you. It's important for us to allow that space in our lives in those moments where we can come to Christ and say, I need you more than I need anything else. As we seek rest, remember this. First of all, you have to recognize that you need rest. And guys, we all need rest. In fact, specifically in the Bible, it talks about the Sabbath and resting. And I'm not sure that we really understand that. And hopefully we'll bring a teaching one day and elaborate a lot more about that and what it looks like for you to rest because he himself rested. And not in a way that he went to sleep. He just said, I'm done, I'm finished. I've completed what I started, right? He's finished. And it's so important for us to understand. By the way, it's the first time that the word holy is used in reference to anything in the Bible. If you go, it specifically says, keep the Sabbath holy. It specifically says that. So be mindful that God looks at rest in a particular way, but you need to recognize that you need rest. I don't know about you, but vacations are not rest either. Straight up, vacations are not rest. You know what happens on vacation? You run around, jump around, you want to see everything, go everywhere. When you come back, you need a vacation from vacation. That's not rest. That's not what he's talking about. He's finding rest, finding uh, encouragement. When you look at the word rest, I, I, I wrote down some things. First, I want to recognize that you need rest. Secondly, I want to be encouraged by him. I want to learn from him according to the scripture. That's what it says. Then I want to realize that he is sufficient for me to rest in. There is nothing that I'm going through or feeling or experiencing that he doesn't already know. So for me to think that he doesn't understand or he doesn't care about my needs is a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not going to believe that lie. I have to believe the truth that he cares for me and he provides for me. So I want to learn from him. I want to take on his yoke. And then, of course, to remain teachable. Listen to me. You don't know everything. I know you came here to hear that today. You don't, I don't, collectively in this room, we don't. But if I remain teachable, then what happens is there's growth in my life. There's understanding and there's freedom in learning. There really is. Because you begin to understand what your lane is, what your capacity is, what your weight is, and what God's weight is. So with that said, again, there's God's weight and there's my weight. In all those situations that we find ourselves in where worry, anxiety, and fear creep in, there's an invitation that's made. Come, come, he says to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a rest that we have to step into intentionally, realizing that there are things that overwhelm us and cause us a great deal of angst. And Jesus has come to set us free. Let's walk in that freedom, embracing the truth that we can find rest in him.